0: Man, it's good to be together, so glad that you're here, taking a, taking a breather in the midst of the intensity of these last two weeks, so glad that you chose to be here today to worship, to be in community, and delighted to be here with you. Well, we've had a great journey, we've had a great journey through the book of, of Galatians this semester, and uh, I want to take a quick look back and remember where we've come over, the la- over these, these months. So we started by looking at Jesus, the Messiah, remembering that, that Christ is not just Jesus' last name, but it's actually a title that re, re, shows us Jesus is the Lord and King and Savior come to rescue the world and bring about a new kingly reign. We talked about how the good news of Jesus, in which we're made right, by, right with God by faith alone, is something that is for us, but also for the whole world, every nation and people's We celebrate that we are part of God's one family and we're invited and welcomed in as God's children into that family. We learned of true freedom, not the ability to choose yes or no to anything, but the freedom that happens as we say yes to God and live in the goodness and the reality of his life and spirit. We talked about the battle between the relics of the flesh and the spirit alive in us as we walk with Jesus. And the fight that happens as we trust the spirit to transform our lives. And last week we talked about how, uh, how many showed us how Jesus invites us to bear one, another, one another's burdens as he bears our burdens for us. And now today we come to the end of Galatians. The last passage in our last Tuesday chapel in Galatians 6 verses 11 through 18. And we're going we're to read it together. It will be up on the screen. And uh, we'll be able to read aloud. See what large letters I make when I'm writing in my own hand. Is these make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised? Only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law. For they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. May, may I never boast of anything? Yep. <laughs> May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one make trouble for me, for I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Thank you for reading that together. I am a recovering achiever. I realize achieving may not sound like something you should recover from, but let's wait, wait, wait and see. As, as you may know, I played, I played uh, college football at a Division II school in Colorado. I'll show and tell today. And when I played there, I played tight end and uh, fullback, yeah, there you go. Um, which are offensive positions if you don't know football very much. And it was a great, great experience. I played tight end for three years, fullback my last two. And when I came out of high school, I thought that I was something special. I thought I was a really good football player. And then I got to college and realized that everyone's a really good football player and a lot better than me. And so I had to pay my dues. And I paid my dues, and it took, took uh, a few years. But finally, I, I was a starter on the football team. And I was start, a starting tight end, my third year. And I was so excited about it. I, uh, my hard work had paid off. And now I thought of the ways that the different people were, were kind of proud of me, my parents. The, the Fellowship of Crash Christian Athletics group that I, I helped lead. My coaches, my friends, my roommates, all these people so proud of me for, for being the starter on the football team, and I was excited. So season starts, I had an okay first game. You can take that off there, Isaac. And uh, You don't need to look at that. Anymore. So I had, I had the okay first game. Okay, we won the game, which was very rare those days, those first few years of my college football career, and so that was exciting. We went to our second game to play Montana Tech up in Butte, Montana, 16-hour bus ride from Colorado, and got up there, and second play of the game, I blocked someone in the back right in front of my coach at the sideline. That's illegal, if you didn't know, and so I got a penalty, and my coach was irate and immediately puts me on the bench for the rest of the game. We proceeded to lose the game, and so and get on the bus for a 16-hour bus ride home. And there I am, sitting on this bus, thinking, I am not the starter anymore. Not only did we lose, I'm not the starter anymore. I was devastated. I had failed. I had earned this position, starting football in college, and now it's gone. I started to think about all the people who would be disappointed in me because I was no longer the starter. All the people who would be looking like, ah. my parents and my friends and the Fellowship of Christian Athletics group that I was supposed to be this leader of, and now I couldn't even hold my own. My coaches, my professors. Never mind the fact that probably they wouldn't have cared at all about that. But it seemed like in my mind that they would think worse of me because of that. I even felt like I disappointed God. I felt like a failure. And I felt like I kind of lost, I'd lost part of what made me me. And it felt terrible. In short, my achieving, my achieving had failed me. I felt naked and exposed, without the specific accomplishment, to show that I was something special, something worth nosing, somebody who had value. I didn't have it anymore. And so I went home on a long bus ride, just processing, feeling rough. ah. What happened? What's going to happen now? We'll pause there. Let's look at our text. So Paul starts out with this, with this great little thing. He does in a number of his letters saying, hey, look how big I write with my own hand. That's how he, he signs his letters, which points, tells us that he was probably dictating the rest of the letters someone who was writing it for him, right? And so we get to verse 12, and it says, he says this. It's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised only that they might not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that, you, so that they may boast in your flesh. So remember what's going on here. Some false teachers have been trying to convince the Galatians, and the, the Galatian followers of Jesus, that they need to be circumcised along with faith in Christ. It's the gospel plus we talked about, right? So Paul points out there is one more time that the primary, the, primarily the way they boast in the flesh is if they could do something somehow to make themselves have right standing with God in the community. can't do that, Paul says. No, you can't add anything. It's only Jesus. So for them, these teachers, it was circumcision and the works of the law that they are adding to faith in Christ. But for me, it was my achievement came in different avenues. My achievement came through school and sports and leadership. Even my Christian life Ways that I would feel I was achieving and could feel okay with God and others. But on that bus ride, that long bus ride home, my football method of achievement had failed me. I was feeling the effects. I was experiencing what Paul was reminding the Galatians people: achievement will never provide the fulfillment that in life that only God can provide. Building a foundation upon achievement sets us up for this roller coaster ride, full of anxiety. Do I have enough? Do I have enough achievement? Oh, no, it's gone. Do I have enough? Maybe some more? In the end, we'll always fail because achievement always fades. Always. So Paul points that out to them. And he goes on to explain, again, the only sure foundation that we have, the only achievement in which we can trust. And he says this, May I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So instead of boasting in and hoping in and trusting in something that he had done, Paul boasted in something that had been done on his behalf. Something, something not that he had achieved, but that had been achieved for him. His trust was in the cross of Jesus, his Messiah. He boasted in the Lord, the King and Savior who came to rescue his people and establish his new kingly reign, this Messiah, Christ we've been talking about. But there's a wrinkle. Paul's not boasting in the strength of this Lord and King. He's not boasting in the wisdom of this teacher. He's not boasting in the family pedigree of the Son of God, although he had quite a pedigree. No. Paul's actually boasting in the cross of Christ. The death of Jesus the Messiah. And of course, the inseparable subsequent resurrection. So Paul's hope and trust is not in himself. His hope and trust and pride is in the person and work of Jesus Christ, summed up in his humble and humiliating death on a cross. This is Paul's boast. This is where his hope lies. Compared then to the fruit of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Paul says everything else is worthless in comparison. That statement reminds us of his statements in Philippians 3. You might want to check it out later. When Paul starts talking about his pedigree, he starts talking about how much how much he's had, how much what his resume is of accomplishments, and, and what family he was born in, all the things, the achievements he has. And he says they're all rubbish, worthless, dung, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. All rubbish, compared to knowing Christ through whom I have been I have received righteousness by faith. So Paul. Somehow, this interaction with Jesus was freed from his need to achieve. He didn't need a list of achievements to allow himself to feel confident before people or before God. Somehow, faith in Christ was more than enough for him. And we see in the next verse why, why that security could be found by Paul. How could it be such a big deal for him? He says this, For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. New creation. Paul had experienced new creation. Something had changed in him. And we see this all over his writings. We saw it in Galatians 2.20, right? I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul has been made new in Jesus 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, Paul says. He or she is a new creation. Or in Romans 6, we talk he, when Paul talks about the amazing gift of dying with Christ in baptism, being raised to new life in him. Paul has experienced something. He knows something. And the ba- baptism is the greatest picture of it. It's God's gift to us that we would actually have a physical, embodied experience of this reality that Paul knew. He had actually, by entrusting Christ, had died with him. His old self had died. All the sin and death and evil, all the ways he used to try to achieve, all that buried. And raised to newness of life. Raised to new creation. Raised to the fullness of walking with God in Jesus. That Paul knew this is where my fulfillment comes. This is what really matters. Jesus has achieved what we could not, and by grace, given it to us. And so we do boast. We do take pride in someone's accomplishments, but not in our own. We boast in Jesus' accomplishment for us. The paradox is this. Our boasting is in the scandalous and generous grace of God that we do nothing to earn. Our boast is in the God who has the audacity to come into the created order, what he made, and become one of us, identifying with us fully in the miracle and mystery of what that means. Our boast is in the one who identified with us to the level of of emptying himself, becoming a little baby born to a humble couple in a dirty, stinky manger 2,000 years ago. This God has everything, he has everything he could boast about. He could boast about anything and everything, and yet he leaves his achievements. And in love, comes and lives a life of human weakness and dependence. Learning and growing and obeying and listening and hurting and weeping and striving and suffering and dying a criminal's death on a cross. This Jesus, the true and eternal Son of God and true human, left all of his achievements behind in order to reconcile us with God, with other people, and even with the created order itself. He did that. He achieved it. He lived the perfect human life and perfect communion with God that we couldn't live. He lived it for us. He carried our death and our condemnation, carried it all the way to the grave. He died our deserved human death. He carried it all, and death swallowed him up. But death couldn't hold the author of life. Death couldn't contain the one who made life. And three days later, he burst forth. He blew it up. And conquered sin and death and evil for us once and for all. Conquered sin and death and evil for us once and for all, and became for us the first fruits of the new creation. This is what Jesus, our Messiah, did, achieved for us. And Paul knew this, and it changed everything for him. He believed it. He experienced it. He knew that Jesus had actually done this. This is a reality. The Son of God did this for us. And not only that, but then by his Spirit, we're included in in it with him by faith. He gives us his righteousness, his closeness with God, fills us with his Spirit who testifies that we are God's children, part of God's family, it's a miracle. It's crazy. It's amazing. And it it's not a roller coaster ride. It's sure and true. We are God's children, loved and included in him, called according to his purpose and work in this world. This is who we are. We become new creations. You become a new creation. So we're freed like Paul from the need to boast in the flesh and free to Boast in him, boast in what Jesus has done for us in our place and on our behalf, freed for that. And so I sat on that bus, and I wrestled. I got home that night, finally, <laughs> the next day, really. I remember I went to bed, and I woke up early the next morning. The sun was rising, and I looked out, and and I, and I heard this verse Lamentations 3.23 in my mind. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. In that moment, as the sun was rising, I said, all right, God, I get it. I get it. Your love is what matters. Your love is what makes me whole. Your love is what matters to me. I'm your son whom you love. With me, you're well pleased. Not because I could play football or achieve it any other way. I'm your son whom you love because I am included in Christ. You look at me in love as your son, as your child. And so I laughed. I said, all right, God, I'm a little embarrassed to have to tell people that I'm not starting anymore. I don't want to do that, but it's all right. I'm your child. We can do this. And we I went down, went down to practice the next day, and we had film, film study. And I go into the film, and my coach looks at me. First thing he says, Hey, Forrest, hey, I'm really sorry about that benching thing. I shouldn't have benched you. You're still our starter. (laughs) You're still our starter. And I just laughed. I just laughed. I was like, no way. Isn't that like God? Isn't that like God just to wake me up? Forrest, quit trying to find your value in this achievement junk. This is not what makes you special. This is not what makes you lovable. This is not what makes you valuable. This is not it. See, I'm a recovering achiever. And God knew that and knows that. And God comes to us and helps us recover from these places. We look for life and wholeness, places other than him. And that time, God was saying to me, Forrest, no more of that. You're my son whom I love. Let me take care of you, would you? So I do get to boast in someone's achievements, and someone's achievements are way better and way bigger, and actually will last forever. Not my achievements, but his. The music team's gonna come on up. As we walk through these last two weeks, I know a lot for a lot of you they're intense. And there's a lot of hard work ahead. And there's great stuff to be done and learned and graded and all the work that has to happen. There's a lot to go on. And work hard and do those things. Of course, yes, we should. That's a way that we honor God. But know this. In Jesus, you are a loved child of God who does not need to achieve to be loved or valued or special. Your performance the next two weeks does not change how God sees you, how God values you, who you are as a child of God, the people of God. It does not change that because who you are has been already declared in Jesus' death and resurrection for you. Who you are has already been made really clear. You are a loved child of God in Jesus. Trust in that. Rest in that. And step off the roller coaster of the achievements that you would know who you are in him and know the freedom of being the children of God and the freedom of new creation. Let's stand and sing of that freedom together.